Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Mondo Show. I'm talking to my special guest. He's dropped in just to see me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Welcome to the Orange Couch. Thank you, man. Uh, Last time we talked via Skype. Now you're here. I love being with you in person. Rabbi Jason. How do you say your last name? Sobel. Sobel. Some people say Sobel, yeah. Sobel. Yeah. It's good to see you. Thank you for having me, it's man. It's been a crazy season. Oh, my goodness. It's been busy, but good. We know you from The Chosen. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I mean, it seemed like you popped out of, just <laughs> popped out, and here you are, famous rabbi, and all of a sudden, uh, you appear on every television station. People were talking about you. You're an author. Yep. You're a speaker. You're a best-selling author. Uh, I'm, I'm just, it's just a joy to serve the Lord in any way that I can. Thank you for just dropping in. Yeah, I mean, thank we you were doing the now. Jim Baker show, and I said, man, I wonder if I can just talk to <laughs> Rabbi and, and just chop it up for a minute. I love it, man. You're a I former DJ. That's right. MC. That's right. Come on. <laughs> How has hip-hop influenced your life growing up? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the ways hip-hop influenced my life is that You know, what I loved about hip-hop, one of the things I think the lasting legacy of hip-hop is, is it's kind of a a voice for those that have no voice. It was meant to be a voice for the oppressed and a way of expression and communication. And a lot of early hip-hop was just people's realities of what they were living with and what they were experiencing. And I think it kind of, it, it really instilled in me a sense of that it's an it's important to to be a voice that for those that have no voice. You grew up in what you call the Holy Land. That's right, New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey, I love yeah. New Jersey. My, by the way, you're watching the PTL Network and you're watching my program. People are watching in LA, New Jersey, New yeah. York, Miami, Pennsylvania. So I appreciate all of you that are tuning in, uh, Rabbi. Um, Man, I got so many questions. Come on. You've written a brand new book. You're an author. There you best-selling go. Best-selling author. <laughs> new York best-selling author. I don't, man, that's just, someday I'll do that. <laughs> but you've written some amazing books alongside uh, Kathleen Gifford. How, yeah. What was that like? Yeah, it was. It Legendary was, Kathleen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's amazing. I mean, she's a larger-than-life personality, but loves the Lord. And, uh, you know, the first time I met her, I was invited to the Today Show. We went out to lunch afterwards. And, That's uh, cool, man. It was what just a eat? fun conversation. I had some lamb. Ooh. <laughs> some lamb man. chops. Some, oh, and they were good. What does she have? Uh, I don't actually, you know, I don't She's think she ate a lot. vegetarian, huh? No, she likes <laughs> lamb. No, she does I mean, I don't remember what she had, but I remember we sat down. It was over, talked about, it was over Christmas. Wow. And she said, let me, she said, I don't like Christmas. She's just too commercialized. And. I said, well, let me tell you the real story. And that's uh, how, it, how it began. Our I should, probably shouldn't ask this question, <laughs> but it, it's, it's, we celebrate Christmas, December 25th, and mm. we think, man, that's Jesus' birthday. That's like finding out Santa's not real when you're a kid. You know what I mean? It, when is Jesus' birthday? Let's get this straight. I mean, all you theologians out there, all the people, I know there's people that wonder, is that the real date? But what's the real date of Christ's birthday? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I, based on my understanding, I would say he was born on the Feast of Tabernacles, which is in the fall, which is significant because John 1.14 says the word of God became, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. 
right? Tabernacle celebrates God's presence among the people during their wandering in the wilderness. So this is the Lord again tabernacling among his people. Wow. Yeah. You know what? Listen, you've written a brand new book, Aligning with God's Appointed Times, Discover the Prophetic and Spiritual Meaning of the Biblical Holidays. And that's a... Is that a holiday? Is Christ's birthday considered a holiday in the Jewish tradition? No, because Jewish people don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. Most of them don't, right? There's a remnant like myself, Messianic Jews, uh, who do. But, uh, but if we understand that Jesus was actually born on the Feast of Tabernacles, and we know the book of Zechariah says, chapter 14, all the nations of the world will go up to Jerusalem uh, in the kingdom to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, they're also going up to celebrate his birthday. Wow. So I, all the world will. <laughs> before I get into your book, I got a few things I got to get out of the way because I, I, I look at social media as what we call the public square. And sometimes that public square can get messy. It can get dirty. All of you out there want to spew your opinion, and every, everybody's, everybody, everybody's got an opinion about something. And I come to find out that there's a lot of theologians in social media, experts, right? And some have criticized the chosen. Why do you think people, every time, not just the chosen, but any time the life of Christ is produced in film or television, people always seem to come out of, the, out of nowhere to judge it and, and to put their two cents in it. Why do you think people, some came out against the chosen? Well, I think there's two things. Before I get into that, I think, look, the reality is, is that people are prone to grumbling and to being negative, right? There's a reason why a whole generation that came out of Egypt saw yeah. all those miracles <laughs> died in the desert, right? Yeah. I mean, Jesus is doing miracles and they're grumbling, right? I mean, people are prone. We haven't changed. This is what Pe you're telling no, me. <laughs> look, pe pe people are haters. Yeah when they see something that's successful, right? Because people have their own insecurities and disappointments and oftentimes out of hurt people respond like that, right? Uh, but I think in regards more specifically to The Chosen, look, I think people oftentimes want to be wooden literalists when it comes to scripture. Like if it's not in the Bible, you can't portray it. <laughs> On the screen, and there's right? no way you can get the whole thing in an hour. No, it's impossible. But, but 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 on top of that, I think the, the, the sad thing about it is, people are going and watching all sorts of media, yeah. right? I mean, and most of it is not good. So you would think that something that tries to honor the scripture and engages people spiritually, and it's having an impact on people's life, you would get behind and say, "Hey, this is a good thing, even if it's not." even if I don't agree with everything in it, so it's sad. I mean, I think the interesting thing is in, in the season two of The Chosen, which just finished airing, the interesting thing is the two most criticized things. Well, I found it really interesting, really the two most criticized things. Num number one was that Jesus actually had to prepare a sermon. People <laughs> got really upset <laughs> <laughs> that like you mean Jesus had to actually oh, think no he man. was divinely inspired he didn't so they, the people really did get upset over the fact that they thought it was kind of blasphemy that Jesus might have to think through and prepare a message <laughs> which I was like I was shocked by like that really bothered people right wow 
And the other thing was uh, in, in season two, Mary Magdalene backslides. And people were really upset about that. So there you go. Unbelievable. I mean, listen, you have been a part of so many different things. When did you know you were famous? <laughs> I'm only a legend in my mother's mind. <laughs> no, come on. When did you no, wake up and know. realize people wanted your autograph, people wanted you to write books, people wanted you to have TV shows? That's being yeah, famous, I, okay? Because yeah, not, know. you know, I'm not getting those kind of deals. <laughs> I, I would say, like, I, I wouldn't consider myself famous, but I would say is I probably was interesting is that I do a lot of tours to Israel. And what was kind of surreal to me was that in Israel, people would, like, because the book has sold probably close to a million copies. Uh, so, all right, you're so, stunning now. You're stunning. I mean, no, 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 oh, no, it just no, sold no, a million no, no, copies. No, no, but, but, That's being famous, no, no, man. No, no, but, but, but what I'm saying, the interesting thing about it is I say that because when I was in Israel leading tours, people would come up to me like, you're the rabbi. Can I have a picture or can I? And then I was like, oh, this is a little weird. But <laughs> <laughs> I had somebody yesterday, I was telling the crew, I went to my kid's orientation yesterday and, you know, they make everybody wear the mask. So we wore the mask and, and said, oh, yeah, nobody's going to recognize you. And people are, hey, man, that's Mondo. That's Mondo. And this guy is running towards me and say, hey, man, are you Mondo? I said, yeah, man, nice to meet you. I knew it was you. And I said, how did you know it was me? It was the eyes, man. It was the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, I find it very intriguing because you're a kid from New Jersey. Mm -hmm. You're just this Jewish boy from New Jersey, got into hip-hop, becoming a DJ, music producing, and all of a sudden, your life was rocked. Yeah. And I know I've asked you this before, but what was it like just stepping into what you were taught about Christianity and, and, and Pentecostals and Baptists? And I mean, you're, you're, you're this Jewish kid from New yeah. Jersey. Yeah. You had an encounter with Christ. What was that like? I mean, so I had this outer, I was meditating. My soul began to vibrate, went to heaven, encountered Jesus felt the power of God in every cell of my body. I mean, it was an overwhelming experience. Like, it, it's, words can't even describe, you can't express what, it was, what, I, what I felt in that encounter. And, but I had no, like I shared before, like I had no idea what this meant. Mm -hmm. And then when Rabbi Jonathan Kahn led me to faith and gave me the first, well, he kind of tricked me into faith, kind of made me say this prayer, I had no idea what I was doing, gave me the first New Testament, took it home and read it, and all of a sudden I saw how the dots connected, the light bulbs came on for me, and it was like Jesus when he turned the water into wine, it was instantaneously transformed from one thing to another. That's what happened to me, like God instantaneously began to transform my life, and I was just wanted to serve him. I, I gotta ask you something. I'm a student of life, and maybe you can help me understand do Orthodox rabbis have a problem with Messianic rabbis? Yes. Ooh, does that, is that called for a fight? <laughs> what well, was they, that, what they, is they that definitely, like? They definitely fight us. I mean, like, literally, I've been beat up on the streets. What? And uh, threatened to be kicked out of Israel and all sorts of other things. So how do you respond to that? What, what, how do you? Yeah, I mean, I just, just think you have to respond with love. I mean, I'll tell you a crazy story. I mean, one time... 
We're doing. Come on, you gotta tell we're, me we're, a crazy. We're, it's not TVN. We're, 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 it's not the Jim Baker show. It's my show. <laughs> tell me the crazy story because well, I want to uh, know. Well, well, one day we were doing uh, outreach in Brooklyn, and all of a sudden, I I had been sharing. We'd been we'd I'd been sharing with a rabbi's son about Messiah, and he stopped to talk to me. And the next thing I know, his friends started to talk to me. And there was actually this march going on that day with all these Orthodox Jews. And the next thing I know, the whole march stops. And I'm surrounded by like <laughs> 500 guys, you know, Orthodox Jews, black hat, black suits. That's big gangster, beards, man. The whole thing. And they're, they're screaming at me. They, he tells them who I am. And the circle's getting smaller Ooh. and smaller. I'm thinking... This is a Stephen moment. If I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out <laughs> proclaiming Messiah. So I started to proclaim Yeshua oh, that he's man. a Messiah. I'm, I'm really thinking this is the end, right? My friends were across the street watching. I'm like, thanks a lot for <laughs> helping me out, helping a brother out there. But, oh. but, but you know, God intervened, and he, uh, this old Jewish guy who was a Holocaust survivor stepped in and said, we don't treat people like this. And wow. He disbanded the crowd and. Thank God nothing happened. But it was a little tense there for a that, moment. Yeah, yeah I, I want to know those friends. I don't want to be friends with those. No, I'm kidding. I've been in some battles with some of my homeboys have left me, man. And boy, that hurt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was betrayal. You have a program. You have a podcast. You have a television program. Again, I, I'm. that's when you know you have something to say. When did you know you have a message to share to the church, to Christianity, to help us understand the Jewish roots? Yeah, a number of years ago, I mean, I had that encounter with the Lord, but a number of years ago, I had another encounter with the Lord. It was after Bill Johnson laid hands on me and prayed for me, and God spoke to me about uh, too many people are settling for half an inheritance. And he told me there's this great revival that's coming. It's not rooted in fear. It's rooted in love and unity of Jew and Gentile coming together in Messiah, and that we were in a John 21 moment. The disciples were fishing all night. Jesus said, throw the nets again, and a great catch of fish came in. And he said, Jesus said, throw the nets on the right side. Well, the significance of that, the disciples had been fishing from the left side, in a sense, and Jesus wanted them to finish from the right. Not about our politics, by the way. <laughs> but in right, the right side is the side of love and unity in Jewish thought. And I knew that until we unified and came together, Jew and Gentile, our nets would not be full. And so we got, we got, to, bring, we got to prepare the nets for revival. Wow. And, and we're going to get knew, there. Yeah. We're going to talk about your book. But first, you got Mary. You marry yeah. a beautiful girl. Yeah. How did you find her? How did you connect with yeah them. yeah her name is miriam and we met in uh, israel on an israel tour and uh, she was actually a worship leader with hillsong for many years and man it's just it's a blessing was she with darlene check she or? was she oh, was man. miriam webster wow and uh, she wrote the song made me glad Ooh, man. that's her song and she sang with darlene for many years and and you fell in yeah, love fell in love well First, we had friendship, <laughs> and uh, we were just friends, and then just God did some crazy things, how he brings it together over time, and who knew? What is it like being a dad? Oh, man, being a dad is one of the greatest joys and one of the biggest oys. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's, it's a joy. You know, look, I think the great thing about being a dad is you really learn about the heart of God the Father. 
But I, I don't think you could really understand God as father until you're a mother or a father, until you're a parent. Whether biological or spiritual, or it doesn't make a difference, but kind of having to give and sacrifice, it just causes you to grow and go deeper in your love. What has surprised you the most about you, the father you, the you as a father, that role that you came in, you know, it, it almost, for me, when as a father, to see myself as a father, I can't believe it. I, I still can't believe I'm a father. I'm a dad. I'm responsible for twins. And, and But for you, when did you discover fatherhood meant so much to you? From the first time I held him. Isn't that crazy? You know, I'll never forget. My son was born, my first son, Avi, was born on a Friday afternoon. And I was like, he came in time for the Sabbath, (laughs) for the Shabbat. And right there in the room, like, you know, we did the blessings and blessed him. And yeah. What a celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Just a joy. And just, you know, just you see how, you know, you only want good and the best. And just the idea of, that he's a good father, mm-hmm. it takes on. I mean, I could, I, I couldn't even imagine doing anything that would be harmful. But there's, you just have an unconditional yeah, love. That is so true. Listen, you are a writer. Not only you're a father, you're a husband, uh, you're a friend. I heard you're a good friend. I'm <laughs> glad I'm friends with you. I hope I consider you. Yes, brother, yes. yes. I got to come see you in L.A. Come on. Listen, you've written a brand new book, Aligning with God's Appointed Times. Why did you write this book? Yeah, I wrote this book because I really believe that as believers come into alignment and understanding with the biblical holidays, that it releases blessing, that it releases uh wisdom and revelation. It helps you see the Bible in high definition. But I really believe that there's something uh, prophetic, like the holidays are prophetic, right? They're not, they, they are, there's an aspect where we remember what God did in the past, but they're not just past remembrances. They're meant to be present reoccurrences. What God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what God did back then, he wants to do in our lives today. And when we come into an understanding and alignment, it releases that reality and blessing in our life. Why do you think the church, the Christian church, has fallen short to teach the fullness of what you have written in this book? Because there's times where I have felt robbed or shorthanded, and I felt like, you know what, why, why did I not, why did the church not teach this? Why, why do I feel not complete? You know, why do you feel from your perspective, the Christian church has failed to bring the fullness of what you have written? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a couple of reasons. I think there's one people's natural tendency is to want to make God in their own image and likeliness. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they want to see God through their culture and through their understanding, and they have prejudices in that direction. Wow. So that's part of it, right? You know, God's made us in his image, but we're constantly trying to reverse that and make him in ours, right? That is so uh, true. Because we want him not to be who he says he is, but we want him to be like how we want him to be, right? Wow. And so I think that's an aspect to it. I think another aspect to it from a human perspective, from a human side of things, is that there was in ancient times, a kind of conflict 
between a Greco-Roman perspective and a Jewish perspective of understanding and seeing the world. And especially when, in ancient times, when Emperor Constantine kind of made the final separation at the Council of Nicaea, Mm -hmm. uh, he was also the pagan high priest. And when he made it the religion of the empire, many people came in that weren't true believers. And so they kept much of their cultural understandings. They didn't have true faith, but politically, financially, made sense for them to make that decision. So that baggage carried on. And then I think thirdly is because Satan wants to cause division between Jews and Gentiles. He wants to rob Jews of their Messiah and wants to rob Christians of their full inheritance because he knows when Jews and Gentiles unite in Yeshua Jesus, we become an unstoppable force for global change and transformation. Talk about that. Talk about, you just mentioned it, Yeshua. Yeah. On the Jim Baker show, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. The name Yeshua carries yeah. a lot of weight. Yeah. We have, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, we have westernized Jesus to the point where we don't even recognize the Jewish Jesus or the Jewish Messiah. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Can you explain the meaning behind and why we should really understand his real name, Yeshua, carries a lot more weight than the westernized name that we've given? It seems like we always rename people because we can't pronounce or understand the, the origin of the names. Yeah, I mean, even before getting to that, I think there's something that's significant to understand, right? Because in the New, well, we know from the New Testament that Jesus is the son of Joseph. So his name was Yeshua ben Yosef, Jesus, the son of Joseph. And the interesting thing about that is Joseph in the Old Testament is one of the greatest pictures of Jesus, rejected by his brothers, stripped of his tunic, thrown into a pit sold for silver. But here's the amazing thing, right? The first time the brothers came down to Egypt, they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him because he walked like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. He spoke Egyptian. They couldn't recognize him. It was only the second time that they came down that he took off his Egyptian garments and he said, Aniosef, I am your brother's Joseph. Mm -hmm. And they recognized him. We've made Joseph into an Egyptian. We've made Joseph, we've made Jesus, we've put, made him blonde haired, blue eyed, Western, okay, and we've, we've hidden his true identity in a sense. And so I believe, and for there to be this great revival the Bible talks about, we have to take off all those things that we've placed on him and show him for who he truly is. And that's going to help release an understanding of Jesus in the world that leads to this great revival. And part of that is using the name that he was given because there is great mysteries and power in the name of Yeshua that we could get into if you want wow. to. Wow. Listen, you got to come back and let's talk some more. My time, I only got a few moments left. <laughs> I want to get to know you more. I think you're a very interesting person in a good way. Let, let me ask you this. On your days off, when you're not mm-hmm. Rabbi Jason Sobel, the author, the best-selling yeah. author, the yeah. TV host, the guy that is signing autographs, what do you do on your days off? 
yeah, I mean, I love to go hiking. Um, I love to go to the beach and swimming and just kind of relax and just kick back. But really, I mean, most of my time is spent with my boys and my family, right? Uh, my wife and my kids and my parents, whether it's uh, enjoying the beach. We live in California, so we get the blessing of the beach. Whether it's uh, going on trips together. We just went on a great trip. We took out razors and went off-roading. And that was a lot. Who's of a fun. better driver, you or your wife? Uh, <laughs> well, considering the fact that they drive on the opposite side of the road where she's from, Australia, definitely I'm a better driver here. <laughs> here, over there, she's a better driver. Who cooks, you or her? I cook. You cook. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite dish? What? What's? Oh my god, I like to cook a good steak, um, grilled, gri you know, grilled chicken, grilled veggies, stir fry, make a great stew. Really. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I'm re really going to have to come visit you now. <laughs> Who inspires you? Oh, my goodness. Man, there's so many people that inspire me. But, I mean, what you guys do inspires me, honestly. Like, what what you guys are doing to reach the world on the PTL network and uh, your story and Pastor Jim and Lori. I mean, just the the faithfulness and the consistency I mean, I think for me, I mean, I love looking at the mothers and fathers uh, of the faith and just seeing th how they've stuck with it throughout the years. Because I really believe that if people said to me, Jason, what, what is one of the keys that you guys that to, to being making an impact and being successful? I say just hanging in there and enduring. Oh, <laughs> right. I mean, if, if, you're, fa if, you're, if you're faithful and you stick with what God has called you to do long enough, you're going to have an impact. Wow. But so many people give up when it gets tough. That's, man, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I Maybe I do. I just try not to pay I've attention. wanted to give up at times. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I've come close to giving up at times. Let's be real. Oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one. I, I felt mean, like I've been the only one, you know, every now and then I give up. Yeah. But then I get up again. You know, and I and I look at my kids, and then I look at where I've been through in my life, and and God has been a faithful God. The world said lock them up, throw the key away, and God said, no, I'm going to do something with you, kid. Just hang on. Listen, I mean, and that's where it's like every time I write a book, every time we produce a TV show, I'm like, is anyone going to want to read this? Is anyone going to want to listen to this? Is it going to make it? <laughs> but you know, but but th but then you know, you remember. Hey, listen, the promises of God. That's it. And be faithful and give it to his hands. I'm glad you didn't give up. I appreciate you. <laughs> thank you, brother. Rabbi. Listen, thank you for watching. Don't forget to get the book, Aligning with God's Appointed Times. I wish I would have had more time to talk about this book, but you're going to have to get it. I just wanted to get to know you more. I got to talk to you yeah. via Skype, but you now you made it here to the orange couch. Come on. And... Uh, it looks like a dorm room. I think we're a little too old for dorm rooms, but man cave. How about that? It's a man yes. cave. Listen, no matter what you're going through, don't give up. God has a plan for your life. Listen, God took a kid from New Jersey, a kid from East L.A., and he's making something out of us. Listen, best-selling author, that could be you. Hosting a television program, that can be you. Man. The Bible says, I love Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Listen, I'm glad someone had a plan. And if you're surrounded by people that don't have a vision and a plan for you, run away from them. 
You need people that have a vision, a plan for you. God has that vision and that plan for you. No matter what you're going through, just keep the faith. It's going to be all right. I'll see you next time.